Hi, this is Beverly Washburn, and you're listening to the Walter Paisley Movie Cast. Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we celebrate the little engines that could not. Coming to you from Nilbog Manor Studios, I am your host, Dylan Rarick, and our music is by Jonathan Harmon. We are brought to you in part by our partner sponsor, Scarlet Lane Brewing. With five locations in the Indianapolis area, there are plenty of opportunities to try the official beer of horror. Today, we're coming back with part two with Larry Hankin. And I got to tell you, this guy is just great. We're going to pick up where we left off, where he's talking about uh, being at the final performance of Lenny Bruce, which if you know comedy and you know Lenny Bruce, you know that was a pretty sad performance. So it's pretty fascinating to get to talk to somebody who was actually there. Uh, We get into a lot more, too. Hey, you know what? Let's just get to it. I think everybody, especially people who go into stand-up, reach that that turning point where either they double down on what they're doing and see where that goes, or they just say, you know what, this isn't for me. And, you know, you look at the case examples you brought up, Richard Pryor and George Carlin were an an anomaly that they made it work. Whereas Lenny Bruce, for all that he did for the world of first amendment rights and for every comic that came after him, his ending was very, very sad. I mean, he was just sitting up there reading legal documents angrily at the audience. You know, he was just pissed I was there about things. That, performance. that his that final one? You, yeah, his his last know, performance? His last performance. That oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. It was, it was sad. It was, it was sad. just sad. It was like Don Quixote trying to prove he's sane. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was, and, and, at the same time, how sad it was, he was still making people laugh. Yeah. Even though he had his law books with him. Right. <laughs> record, he was reading to the audience. Yeah. It was sad. But, you know, I was, yeah. But I, I had seen the whole arc because when I first started with Bussing Bars in Greenwich Village at mm-hmm. my graduation, which was 1960, okay. he was at the height. He was at his height. He was clean. Yeah. I mean, he was doing drugs, but he was clean. I mean, he mm-hmm. was in the beginning. He was okay. He could handle it. And then I saw him four times over the arc of that last performance in, mm-hmm. at the Basin Street West in San Francisco. Um, so I saw him when he was good and then when he was perfect. He was learning and then he was perfect. And then yeah. he started getting funnier and losing it and losing it and, and yeah. deeper and deeper into critical thinking and mm-hmm. and the cops just so i remember at the end when i started to leave i said oh man and i wasn't i didn't do drugs mm-hmm. until much later but i i when i started to think this is not fun it's not fun the cops the cops and i said this could drive me to drugs this is what's this is what Lenny was all about. Yeah. I said, I got to make a choice, man. I said, it's either heroin or get the fuck out, man. And there's no other right. way to go. Because <laughs> the cops just wouldn't let me do what I was doing. And at the time, the judge said, you can't work, to Lenny, that you can't work in any place that served liquor. And back then, a stand-up comedian was nightclubs yeah you take away nightclubs you take away a place that serves liquor and you can't work anymore there wasn't television 
and he, he couldn't do Ed Sullivan. I mean, he 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 was he couldn't do television. He was because wow. of the cops. Because he was cursing. He yeah. Was cursing. He was he was talking street man. Right. That's right. All. He wasn't cursing. He didn't come out on stage and go. Blah, blah, blah. No, he was saying, "Hey, well, you know, fuck this. I didn't want to do that." Yeah. That's conversation. Well, and he was man. he was taking on religion too, which was you know a huge no no at that. Being time. funny, he wasn't. Well, I guess he was. Hey, he's he was got that great one where he's talking about Jesus coming back and being confused because he sees the huge church and the the priest covered in gold and and he doesn't understand because he's walked all the way from the ghetto and thinking, well, it must be worse the further I go and it keeps getting better and he doesn't understand why. Why isn't the oh, yeah, church helping that. these people in her city? And and it's, yeah. it's a really funny. He tells it in a very funny oh, way, yeah, but it's a real the, strong the point. I remember about religion was, um, you know, what are we going to hang around the neck, you know? <laughs> if he'd been electrocuted in the yeah. electric chair? <laughs> the electric chair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I thought he was great, and I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I would just... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I still that that learning process. Thing. Yeah, he was funny, man. Because I would see him in person. You know, I would go yeah, to the yeah, and see him uh, before the cops started pulling him off the stage. Mm -hmm. And well, yeah. So anyway, that's kind of what that was all about. Right on. So you go from that. You're in improv. Um, you're working uh, with the committee. Yeah, I've, I've heard you describe that you guys were trained Dobermans. That Meyer would just oh, yeah. come in and kind of keep you guys. Holy cow, you, the... guys, you, you, you really doing your homework. Yeah, trained over. Well, he he called us that. Yeah. Okay. Alan, Alan called us his trained over. But I, I saw because I directed the committee for a while, and and what he was saying was we were his voice, his trained Dobermans, because Alan was very angry politically. Angry. Yeah. He kept he kept that sharp. Uh, he was like, you know, whetstone, you know, for us. He was sharp enough. But yeah, I guess we got a little of that. But when he left and I took over to direct, I kept on thinking, not that these people were my trained Dobermans, but they're in my way. I know how to end this scene. You know, like I, you watch the improv. Yeah. I know where this could go. But you can't do that. You can't tell them where it could go. You just say, do it again and explore it a little more. Mm -hmm. That's what you say. And then they, but the interesting thing is, and Alan did tell me this. He said, if you leave them go, he was talking about directing improv. How do you mm -hmm. direct when there's no script? He said, if you let them improv long enough, and all you have to do is this, well, let, let's do it again tomorrow night. Let's explore it a little more from where, you know, you 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 take her purse. Right. Explore it from there on. He said, if you have them explored enough times, they will eventually come to your conclusion and just say, okay, and don't take you know, responsibility. And you can't say, oh, I knew where that scene was going to go, you know, right. that's two weeks ago. 
no, no. Then they'll stop improvising. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's kind of like asking why. The more you ask why, the more the person finds out they don't really have the argument <laughs> that they're looking well, for. They, they don't of... have the argument. They also get <laughs> mad and they think you're stupid. Why? Why? So it doesn't go great either way. Right. Yeah, you just, you can't. And, and, and that is a great Zen learning, you know. Yeah. Lesson. lesson. Yeah. Can't take responsibility. Yeah, I knew, I knew where that was going. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, um, start moving into film you did was it three adult films in the mid 60s oh i i where you I were the know. i know you weren't i know I you weren't a performer three. so much china woman was one svengali was one and then there was one that has svengali and china woman mm-hmm. both have been re-edited about six times to towards or away from hardcore yeah or soft core right and they they kept on selling it the person who who bought it Mm -hmm. would would make a little money or maybe not make his money back we shoot a couple of scenes hardcore or soft core right and send it on to the next thing and i uh, just get it straight no i was the comic relief yeah 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 wasn't uh right (laughs) but Here's what I learned from that is that nobody goes to a pornographic movie to laugh. It doesn't work. <laughs> just, you know, what, what is this? What is this? What is this? Yeah. I've been in the audience. You know, I want to see what I did, but it was a porno movie. Sure. You know, you, you'd see a lot of heads turning around. What is he going to take his clothes off? Or I, I, don't, I don't get it. Well, what's going on? <laughs> well, those those two I knew about. The one that was new to me was uh, the one that I, you don't have a title for it, but where it was just a swingers party, and they had you go around and interview people like mid act. No, was have that... you seen that? You haven't seen. No, that. no, I'm trying no, that's to find the one it. I want on my on my tombstone. Uh, okay, I've 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 reached out to people who who like this is what they do is collect that kind of stuff. And I'm trying to see if I could ferret it out. It, it, the problem is it's such a prolific, it's probably, this is the most prolific type of filmmaking out there. So a lot mm. of it gets lost to vinegar syndrome and you, you, you know, there's unrecoverable prints. So um, it may be just lost media, but man, but, I hope I could find it. <laughs> while I was going through it, I mean, you know, there's this old, uh, in the sixties, there was this great, it was a famous cartoon, but it was just a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Every paper there ever was. It was a guy. It was just a simple cartoon of a guy sitting at a, on a, a bus bench, mm-hmm. which is bus stop, and he's just sitting there very simply, no expression on his face, maybe just a slight little smile on his face, and the thought balloon above his head is huge. You know, bubbles going into his head, and it's just, just weirdness just weirdness in there it's just no drawing it's just all oh, and he's got this smile on his face because that's when the acid was big right so, and everybody got it you know that was that was an acid thought balloon yeah but he's sitting there waiting for a bus and he's just so, simply smiling at peace with the world uh, <laughs> yeah but that's how 
kind of I was. I mean, I didn't, that's all it was, was just confusion. Right? Sure. It had to be surreal. Just, it just had to be. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, just being, I never could figure it out and I never got it. And then finally I just, uh, no, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. It wasn't funny. I mean, I would go right. see the movie and it just wasn't, didn't work. It didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what the whole point was. Nobody was there to. Oh, here comes the funny stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and secondly, I didn't see how, and I never understood fluffing. I, you know, I didn't know what that was, and that was never around. So uh, I only found that out when we were going to do a, a, a satire on porno. Uh-huh. And that's how I found out about, you know, fluffing. But, you know, so so in other words, when I did the porno movies, when I was the funny guy, the, the uh -huh. funny, um, and, and that scene, friends, I was dressed and I had my own notepad thing going around interviewing people who were already fucking. See, now, Lenny, now, see, that that's when the cops would come and pull me out of here. Right, said, right, yeah. But it was conversational. I was just trying to describe something. Okay. Right. So uh, going around. And and I was saying, you know, I said, oh, now is this your wife that you're fucking? No, no, she's over there with him, you know. And, oh, on the couch. That that yeah, okay. <laughs> so now they were on the floor, you know, on the rug, and then this was on a on a side table or side, on, on oh, on a Morris chair. <laughs> they were all over. How now, weird! They had already started. In other words, when I came in, they were already filming. I just walked in, you know, uh -huh. pad and my pencil. I thought, you know, well, we'd work it out. We walked through. No, it was already filming there. And I just walked in. And the guy says, okay, when you go in there, just interview people for the examiner. I was interviewing them for the examiner. <laughs> Local, well, I like the, the times, sort of, you know. So I said, you know, we're doing a special, you know, reportage on porno, movie in, porno movies in San Francisco. So mm -hmm. is this your wife you're fucking or not? No, no, she's over there. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, and do you know these? And no, that's my my boyfriend is over there. And how did you find out about? It? Well, we applied. You know, there's an ad. You know, no, you know, just going around to each coupling, and uh, oh, oh, oh. two backs, and just asking them, and you know, and they would be pounding away, and also turning to the side and talking to me. Oh, it didn't stop. It didn't stop. They just kept uh, uh, doing it. I'm wondering, how is this sexual? Never mind sensual. How yeah. is, how do you keep it hard? How, how <laughs> do you keep it coming? How do you, where is the organ orgasm in all that? Where, where's the organism? Where's the orgasm in all that? <laughs> and I thought, I got to, you know, I don't know. Acting, what a weird world. Acting, it is, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Right. Well, so then you start moving into um, like television work. Um, to that girl, hey landlord, uh, there you were with the great Sandy Barron, um, funny man. Yours, mine, and ours being the the movie that um, you you wrote about it in your book. Um, I don't want to go too much into your book because I want people to buy it, but um, you you just had some great stories on all of those. Um, as I was, as I was reading through and there were just a couple things like in, Hey landlord. Um, was that the one where you played the, the hell's angel? Yeah, I believe. Yeah. 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 I was the hell's angel. 
I mean, even that, man. That was Jerry Paris directing the famous, the great Jerry Paris was directing you. Great Jerry Paris. So, I mean, I mean, just as short, I won't tell you the whole story, but I mean, the director, Jerry Paris, I'm an actor, you know, so basically the the, the glitch of Hollywood is that the person who hires you for the part is called the casting director. Mm -hmm. And they cast you three days or four days or a week ahead or sometimes two weeks ahead of you doing the part on right. the set with the camera mm-hmm. and the director. So the director doesn't meet the people who were hired. That's three days later or two weeks later on sure. the set. You meet the director and the casting director sends them. So I was fully dressed in costume as a house angel from the casting director who cast me a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I go to the the, the, the costume department where the, the costume director gives me what clothes I should wear. And then you go onto the set with a director director, directs you in clothes given to you that he hasn't seen with a with an actor he hasn't seen. Right. So everybody isn't, well, I just show up, you know, as a hell's angel. And the director assumed that I was a real Hell's Angel, that somebody had hired a real Hell's Angel. And he wouldn't <laughs> talk to me the entire week of rehearsal. <laughs> he would he would just kind of say, um, just just stand over there, don't do anything. If I had lines, he would just let me say it, whatever I said, and he wouldn't tell me anything. <laughs> and a, a year later, um, I ran into him again, or maybe a couple of months later, I mm-hmm. Again, at a house, somebody's house. And I asked him, I said, why didn't you talk to me? And he confessed that he thought I was a hell's angel. He didn't want to talk to me <laughs> because he didn't want to start a fight. He <laughs> said, well, this guy's not going to listen to me. He's going to start a fight, you know. Stand out, tell him to do something. Tell a hell's angel to do something. Right. <laughs> and he confessed that to me. You know, just blandly said, you know, I'm, hey, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Larry. I didn't know. I mean, and and that happened in other cases where the director didn't know that I was an actor. And I didn't tell him. Yeah. Yeah, Once I understood, I I would keep it to myself. Oh, this is kind of fun. He thinks I'm, you know, whatever it was. But yeah, so I mean, so it was just getting too weird. I knew I wasn't long for this acting because the money was great. But the auditions were, I just thought, I, I don't know who these people are, but mm-hmm. they, I, I know more than them. I don't know anything. I mean, it's just, you know, the the, the people who you audition for. The yeah. Cast people. Yeah. I just had no respect for them at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, who, are who are you to judge me? Who are you? Yeah. Oh, and then I would right. watch the show. That was the other laugh I had. I I would watch the show. I didn't get it. Right. But I didn't get the show. I would watch the show to see who got it. And my reaction was always the same. They hired this guy? What the fuck? <laughs> that? Holy. I don't know. What the? So, you know, I didn't. You, then you, you, you're not prepared then. You don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't do that. That's bad acting. 
That isn't even acting. I don't know what that is. Right. And, you know, I'm at least trying to give him something that, you know, moves the story forward. I mean, I know that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, and so just auditioning and then seeing who they hired was just mind blowing. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So yes. then I started to uh, uh, refuse to do what they wanted me to do. I Even one time I said, I don't think you should hire me. I think you should hire the guy who was here before because I was listening at the door and he sounded really great. I mean, that blew their mind. <laughs> you don't want to audition? No, I, I don't think I can do it as well as the guy who was in here before me. I, I was sitting right outside the door. I heard the audition. He's great. He's great. You don't wow. want to do it? No. I thought that was, I mean, <laughs> just their, re, their reaction was just what kept me in in that role. Of, yeah, yeah. I just loved it. You know, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I couldn't, uh, you know, oh, okay. Yeah, so you just, you, you, don't you even want to try? No. No, he was pretty good. <laughs> so you want to just leave? Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, see, that's the stuff. That's what I call life. That's what's living. That's what's interesting. Human beings and their attempts at being cool and <laughs> smart and in charge. <laughs> Homo sapiens in charge. You know, the last man standing. You know, I've got a game that I do kind of along those lines, and it's whenever I'm at a party and I meet, I shouldn't say this because now people are going to know I do it, but like if I meet somebody who I just get a pompous vibe from, I'll I'll make up a book title and author, and nine times out of ten, they'll say they've read it. Yeah. It's just a game I play with myself. <laughs> so I get that tendency, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, you're in charge, really? Yeah. Talk to you for a second. Let me just uh, say something here. Uh, yeah. I mean, so the book was kind of just venting. Uh, mm -hmm. I, 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 but but I wanted to not only vent. I wanted to tell people, uh, you know, what, what a profession is. Yeah. What art is. You know, because you... In, you you can't do it alone. There's no, no no way you can do it. I mean, even if you're a painter, you know, or a writer, you know, mm -hmm. your little atelier, um, you know, you 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 got to move out of there and present the work of art or yourself as the actor yeah. to the world. You, you got to make a connection, and that and that's you know, should I get off the pot? I don't know. Connection, that point. You know, so you can't say I'm doing it alone for me. I mean, even uh, 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 who's the famous guy who wrote the, you know, the, I can't, well, my mind is going. The, the, he wrote, oh, Blazing Saddles. Oh, Mel, well, Mel Brooks, Richard Pryor. Mel, even yeah. Mel Brooks. Uh even his world, I mean, that, that craziness, even even there, mm -hmm. it's, I auditioned for Mel Brooks, and I did a great audition, I really did. Uh, I didn't get the job, 
And what I saw, movie was it? I think it was the one where he tried to uh, get some homeless people. Life stinks. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, it was. It, it was a Shakespeare. It was. It was. Uh, he was doing a remake of a of a movie that Jack Benny had. Done. Oh, um, uh, um, uh, Bells at Midnight. Or, no, no, Midnight or, no. It's the one. Uh, takes place during World War II. Uh, the Hitler, I can't think of the name of it. Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even I auditioned for that. And I did a great audition. I, I rehearsed for a long time because I wanted to get mm -hmm. And he didn't hire me. So I wanted to see who, who he did hire. And he hired one of his friends. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the, the small guy for, from Show of Shows. Uh, Billy Barty? <laughs> no. Oh, no, no, that, that, yeah. that's small. Sid Caesar. But, uh, there was, there was, well, on the Show of Shows... Of Sid Caesar, the, the um, Sid Caesar show. Mm -hmm. There was one guy who was so small, you know, skinny and light. That that's what I mean. Not not that, but who did this bit where he always hung hung onto Sid Caesar's leg. I mean, he was that, and Sid would walk around, um, guy attached to his leg. Morris, Harold you know, Morris, ha, ha, Morris, really, really. Oh, Kenneth Morris. Mars, Kenneth Mars. Kenny Mars. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so he hired okay. Kenny Mars, who, you mm -hmm. know, Mel Brooks, Kenny Mars, you know. Yep. The, the Sid Caesar gang, he hired a lot of those actors. But I did a great imitation. So that's what he said. You never know. I mean, it could, the, the, the guy who's going to, the casting director could have had a fight with his wife before leaving. And then. Right. Know, so that, so I wrote the book to just tell people it's not what you think. This book, uh, no, I mean show business is not. Yeah. What you're making movies is not what you think. I think there's a tendency for a lot of people. They see you on TV and it's immediately, oh, you're famous and rich. They don't know about the the hustle, the the being in the trenches. And also, and... I, I used the money to buy that everybody else bought a house with. I used to make my own films and films right. And, you know, films are very expensive. Yeah. So yeah, and 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 I it would rankle me because I would go into stores. And I was famous, you know, mm -hmm. famous, whatever that means. Uh, and, 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 you know, and they would always take me to the most expensive things, you know, always. <clears throat> and then they would, like, get confused. They would say, all right, let's go back to, you know, yeah, things I can afford, okay? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Yeah, and Bruce Campbell's autobiography does this has this great moment where he addresses that. Oh, you're you're on you're in movies, so you're rich. And he breaks down his salary for that for a year. Uh, oh, here's how yeah. much I made. Here's what I paid to my agent. Here's what I paid to my publicist. Here's what I paid in self-employment tax. Here's what I paid. And he ends up like thirty five thousand dollars for the year. So dollars and that has to last you until the next time you get a job. Period. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, six months. Sometimes I've had three months in between gigs. Mm -hmm. You know that that's work. Fill in yeah. that three months. It's yeah. part of being out of work than working. Sure. Yeah. I, being out of work, being you know jobless is a job and a half. I'm writing a book about that now. Oh, okay. You know about yeah that just that hustle. You're out there. You know, you audition after audition, and you know, even if you've been at it for years, like you, you're still. You know, you're humping. Oh, but, but 
But okay, so you audition and you you rehearse for the audition. So that's a day or two or three or a week. Yep. You've been out of work for three months. If you get an audition, okay, it busies you for three days. Mm -hmm. You get the job and you work for two days. But the next job is going to be three months away. So So you've been employed and you rehearse and you audition. That's like a week, two weeks, three weeks. What do mm-hmm. you do for the rest of the two months? You got to fill that time, and you don't have an income coming in. Right. Maybe, some, maybe a residual, maybe, but that's months away. Yeah. I mean, it's a test. It's you might as well be homeless. You might as well. Um, you have to pay the rent. I mean, that that's what. Oh yeah, I got the rent is coming up. I got to pay. I got. I got to audition. So you got to temp job and then you're looking for temperature right yeah, it's, it's a really weird it's not the glamour you know being a star mm-hmm. it's not that there's cool. a big difference between actor and movie star it's yes it's, a, it's one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite movies my favorite year when peter o'toole says i'm not an actor i'm a movie star great yeah. line and it's very true yeah. there's a huge difference <laughs> and also uh, i was trapped in that uh that role the life role of, mm-hmm. okay, I'm making more money, I'm making more money, I don't mind it, I'm getting more money than the three months. So yeah. actually, I'm I'm getting to be rich. But I would take that money and make movies. So mm-hmm. then I'm down to zero again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, trying to figure out what to do with all that time. And, and uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a problem that you have to solve, uh, and you're you're well. And I was homeless for a while. Yeah, yeah, Did about a year homeless, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, so I knew that. Well, but at least I know I'm homeless and living in my car. When you're out of work for three months and you don't have any income coming in, you're an actor. <laughs> it's kind of the same, you know. I mean, you're either worrying about. Where do I park my car every night? Because you can't be, if you're towed away, you're really screwed. Right. You're home. They towed your home away. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that happen. You got to get, you know, 75 or a hundred dollars to get your home back. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you see, so you go to a junkyard, you go to a, a tow, tow yard where they have just cars and you're there for your house. <laughs> Quarters. Yeah. Embarrassing. Because you have to come with cash. You don't have a. Oh, anyway. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just, that's the thing about acting. And I try to get that over to other people who want to be actors. Right. You don't want to be You know. (laughs) You think you want to be. What you want to be is a star. Right. Right. <laughs> but you have to go through being an actor to get to being a star. Right. And there's a lot of people in your way and the people who don't want you to be a star. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's 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 it, it, very interesting. I've had a very interesting life, I think. I, it's fascinating. I Your book, I mean, I was just like tearing through. And I... Like every it hasn't story, hasn't gotten a bad uh, review yet. I don't see why it would. I don't see why it would. I I loved it. Um, 
you know, it built a little stream of consciousness and there's, you know, it jumps around, which is kind of how most of us work in our minds. So I think I thought it flowed really yeah, well. Yeah, my next book, I'm, I'm doing even more of that. And I'm just wondering about that. But but it, it is, I mean, like your day, even your house, you know, mm -hmm. talking to your son or you're cooking food or you're thinking about shopping or you're washing the car or mm -hmm. they're all different mindsets. But, you know, they're switching around and yeah. I try to make. Yeah. And then I'm also reading a lot of modern books. Uh, mm -hmm. not, not too many. I, I like the classics, man. I love the anything be, before 1960s is, or, or around 1960 and then back. Yeah. I It's, you know, it's stories, man. You know, none of these experimental stuff. It's just straight ahead. Great stories. Yeah. Well, um. Man, I love talking this stuff, but our listeners are going to want to hear about your movies a little bit. So okay, I, I'll I, give you a couple of minutes. You have to leave. So okay. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we'll just, we'll just kind of power through here. I wanted to, to ask a little bit about um, like uh, Evil Roy Slade. It's a movie that I love. I talk about it probably way too much. Um, I mean, the, the cast in that, you played Snake. It's just a great cast. John Aston, Mickey Rooney, Dick Sean. Uh, I mean, Dick Sean, uh, Dom DeLuise, Edie Adams, uh, all these great people. Do you well, have any? I think it's, we should read. Uh, I mean, watch that again. That sounds great. It's a great movie. It's so much fun. Um, it, do you have any memories from that? Wow. Uh, I think it was uh, directed by. Uh, it was a Jerry Paris piece. It was Jerry done for Paris? television. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, yeah. So. He's hard to work with, but he he loved my work, so he he, I, he put me in about three things. But I would argue with him all the time. I mean, that, that's what I remember: uh, just me and him arguing about what's funny. Yeah. No, let me do it my way. No, it, no, do it that way. I mean, I, I've done that with a lot of, with many other actors. With yeah. Uh, Mike uh, Michael Richards, you know. No, this is funny. That's funny. No, do it this way. Let me do it this way. And that's what I was doing on on. Evil Roy Slade. But uh yeah, I got to ride a horse and I grew a beard and I, you know, was a cowboy. So Yeah. Good to be a cowboy I, is I always fun. Too many. I remember that I thought that uh see now I, I forgot the cast already. You just you just read it. Like, oh, was, John Aston was the lead. Uh um, John Aston. Yeah, he was Vicky Rooney. He was, he was a good actor, but I remember we got along. I, he was very friendly. I I we were friends on mm -hmm. the set, you know. We got, we got along, uh, but who's the other Dick? Uh, Dick Sean. Dick Sean. I remember uh, the only thing I remember about Dick Sean, which was a great thing, that he was extremely funny. I used to watch him on the Ed Sullivan Show on yeah. television. You know, oh, it's not him. That line would just kill me. The setup with the band. Yeah. Here he comes, and he says, "Ah, no, 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 Oh, wait a minute. No, no, it's not him. Man, I would just wait for him, you know, like 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 kids in a movie theater waiting yeah. for the fart in Blazing Saddles. I was once in a movie theater where a little kid stood up in the middle. It was a packed house. I think it was, you know, a Hollywood opening or, you know, mm -hmm. a Hollywood event where it was packed, man, and everybody was, you know, really well-known people. And a, and a kid stood up in the middle, right before, you know, in that scene, 
you know, they're sitting around the fire and right before it happened, a kid, one kid just stood up. He must've been maybe 12 stood up on his seat and yelled, here it comes. (laughs) Perfect timing. But his timing was perfect. I mean, he's like, comes, beat, beat, bam. (laughs) And the audience just fell. I never heard a laugh that big. Not only for the fart, but the kid and the timing, the the fame of the audience. Yeah, Dick Sean was he was such a funny he actually died on stage. He was one of the Yes, the and they thought it was he was a bit. They yeah. Was yeah. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. The, yes, they left him. Just there. awful. They saved his life. Yeah. No, he's not getting up. He's not getting up. Yeah. Oh my god, he maybe he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see now that's show business. That's right. Show business. <laughs> that's perfect show business. Wow. Um that's well, all I remember from that. I, I mean, I, uh, anything with Jerry Parrish directing, I just remembered. I, I don't like being here. I'm arguing about what's funny. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get what I get. It was all about humor with him. Yeah. With Jerry. And he would always pinch my cheeks. That's in the book. Ooh, mm-hmm. what a face, what a face. Jerry, don't pinch my cheeks, please. <laughs> you do that. Ooh, it's such a pun. I'm so, stop it. <laughs> why i'm just trying to be nice i don't like it jerry don't go pinching your actors <laughs> all right all right larry jeez larry so sensitive so sensitive. well you also uh you talked about your affection for working with edie mcclurg uh you made a wonderful little short series the outlaw emmett mm-hmm. demas um uh, you can find it on youtube listeners it's a lot of fun Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, the two well, of you and... seem to work really well together. Well, she was she was funny. I used to go watch her on the Pitchell Players when mm-hmm. I was in the committee. This is in the sixties. Yeah, I used to go see her and Paul Wilson. Those Paul two... Wilson's in that oh, too. I was oh, going to ask God. about him. <laughs> Paul Wilson. They were in the Pitchell Players together, and her and her brother, Edie's brother, mm-hmm. uh, Bob uh, McClure, Bob McClure. No, those I used to, and um, oh, who's the other one? Oh, there was uh, those four people in the pistol play. It just wiped me out. They were so talented. And Edie was funny. She was yeah. naturally funny. There was nothing she could do. I mean, that thing that she did in um, <clears throat> Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or something, yeah, where she would put Pencils? that pencil in her hair. <laughs> I, I'll never forget that putting that pen the the woman the character that she yeah. played she would do that character that she played putting the pencil in her hair mm-hmm. uptight by the book woman that OCD <laughs> woman uh, she was in uh she did the groundling she was in the original Pee Wee's oh, Playhouse yeah. that was on stage she's hysterical in that just a great yeah. comic actress. Great comic actress, yeah. yeah. And at the end, she started to uh, get the, you know, her mind started to go, the memory. Yeah. It's not, it's not Alzheimer's. It's just, you know, the memory starts to go. Forgetting a lot. It's like me with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. But she, uh, I, I directed her in a couple of things, that and another one. 
Yeah. And then the other one was later on, and she started to forget her lines. But she could improvise, so it didn't really yeah. matter. But I could see, well, it's going to be kind of dicey. I was wondering how she was going to keep mm-hmm. getting parts, because she she had that woman, that character of that woman down. Yeah. We just hire her to do that. Yeah. I think you described it as as prim and proper and seething with an underlying anger. <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. it comes across. Yeah. <laughs> but she had it down perfect. Yeah. Through her, she just did it. Yeah. Uh the the outlaw Emmett Demas, if you uh listeners check it out, it's a lot of fun. Um, I know you're short on time. Uh, I do have a question from a fan, Frank Santa Padre from Gilbert Godfrey's Amazing Colossal Podcast. I uh, would like to know uh, anything about working with Don Siegel on Escape from Alcatraz. Who asked that question? Frank Santa Padre. He was the co-host of Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. Oh, which is, is that still on the on. air? It, it's not. Since Gilbert died, they're not doing any more. But oh, um, that was a great show, man. Such a great podcast. Wow, the only intelligent podcast that they podcast I ever, I ever. I modeled this one directly off of their format. Oh, yeah, those two guys, because Carl Gottlieb was on it. Right yeah, side. great episode. And it was a great interview, and I, 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 I've been trying to get on that show. It has never. Worked yeah, out. I actually, I talked to I Frank this morning. I talked to Frank this morning, and he's like, "I wish we could have gotten him." <laughs> Credit, Frank. Uh, uh, put me on your next show. I want to be on your next show. Uh, so, what was his question? Uh, yeah, he was just asking about working with Don Siegel and Escape from Alcatraz. Oh, that was the best. That was the best. Escape from Alcatraz was the best. That was Hollywood. That was being an actor. That mm-hmm. that was being a star. Being an actor improvising memorizing lines it was you can see i'm just excited just bringing it up that was the best don said we were going to make a movie together that's how close i got to being a star yeah siegel and i were going to make a movie together i showed him the script he was going to do that he was going to do the emmett demas movie oh wow script i was going to do it um damn uh but he passed away yeah. Oh, oh, I had such a great time on that movie. You've got so many great stories in your book just about that shoot. I mean, there's some great stories in there. Yeah, but we, we, we he was like my grandfather and, and and a grandson. I mean, we just we just were like that. I mean, yeah. we were so close. He just liked me, and I liked him. I mean, just like a grandfather. That's great. Like my grandfather. You know, I had a great grandfather. Mm-hmm. And and. and uh, and and he would put me in scenes. He he they gave me, him and Clint Eastwood gave me co-star billing. That that billing. I got co-starring Larry Hankin. Yeah. I I didn't ask for that. I didn't negotiate that. My 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 agents didn't ask for that. That was a gift. That's awesome. Come on, yes. Who does that? Who does that? That that all he would do is put me in scenes, you know, in the shop scene where yeah. Clint cuts off his finger and I, I I go to throw up. No, I wasn't even in that scene. I'm not in that scene. It, uh, How cool! John Siegel said, "Larry, get in the scene." I go, "What am I doing?" I don't know. Just get in the scene. Why am I in the scene? I don't know. Will you just get in the scene? <laughs> That's the way he directed me. <laughs> That's awesome. Was, yeah. 
It's great, man. Uh, <laughs> I get in, he'd say, oh, okay, what am I doing? I don't know. I don't, just do something. It's a shock. Do do yeah. shock. Okay, blah, blah, blah. He said, okay. And he said, okay. And he cut off his hand. Okay, I want to get some close-ups. Okay, close-up of the, you know, reaction. We need some reaction shots. Okay, just cut off his fingers. Plump, 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 plump. Larry, okay. Cut off his fingers. Okay. Throw up, you know. Come on, Larry. Throw up. <laughs> got it. Okay, moving on. All right, we got uh-huh. it. Thank you, Larry. All right, he was just through the whole shoot, three months of that. Larry, get in there. I would come in every day, dressed in my costume, getting on the boat. You have to get there at seven thirty in the morning, and you'd get on the boats. Ten boats, all the uh-huh. extra. And you'd go and every day I'd get on, even if there, I wasn't on the schedule. Yeah. I'd put on my blue shirt, blue pair, blue jeans, white socks, black shoes. And I'd go out and I'd just hang around the camera or I'd explore Alcatraz. What a oh, it was just like a vacation. Three How months. cool. Doing three months of doing what you dreamed of doing. Even though I never dreamed of doing being an actor. Sure. It was something that, you know, you dream of it was, you know, if I could dream of something, this would be it. Just you know, doing something that you found you loved and and being able to just do it. No, well, nothing else is going on but that. With, yeah. with a director is is you 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 know, you have to just find that. It just happens. You can't you can't you just I don't know. It just happened. Yeah. You know, yeah, but see, here's the thing. Uh and I, I think I wrote about it in the book, but I, I won't go into it too much. But um, he, he knew Don Siegel knew in the audition. He was the, one of the few directors in, of my life that I auditioned for. That he was there with the casting director. Okay. <clears throat> and it wasn't an audition audition. Like, yeah, I got sides and I me- memorized them. But um, he knew the minute I walked in the room, really, that of, of who I was. He grokked me immediately. He knew what it was going to be like. He knew when he got to the scene of in the shop, he knew he was going to get me in there and tell me to throw up. I mean, not really, but you know right. what I mean? It was this. Yeah. It, now, he, here's the guy who I want to be in the movie. I need a guy like this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know his ass from his elbow. That was me. That was Larry Hankin. I, I tell you, the, the reason I get so excited and love that movie so much, and I could watch it over and over again, I love me, I love everything about it. It was so much about it, is that um, it was like uh, it, it, Clint Eastwood and him was great to hang around with. See, that's what I, I thought about. It. it wasn't making a movie. I was hanging out on Alcatraz with uh, Don Siegel and Clint Eastwood. That, that's, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I just got to hang around uh, <clears throat> and McGowan. Yeah. It's really yeah. weird. I mean, another great cast. Oh, alcoholic. <laughs> just, you know, I went to Clint, I, I, Clint and, I go, and Clint was my friend, too. I made sure I did that. See, I, 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 I just, what happened between me and Don Siegel was just magic. I didn't ask for it. It just happened. I just, he just knew. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about the audition. But, 
but with Clint, I had to foster that because they didn't want to. All my scenes were with him, right? I didn't I didn't want to have this awe thing going on camera, so I just followed him around wherever he was. I just I, I forced myself to make conversations with him, ask mm-hmm. him questions. I just wanted to be his friend. I just wanted to wipe the awe off. You know? Was he approachable? Oh yeah, he yeah. He, he just he always <laughs> ate with the with the extras. Awesome. Here's something nobody knows about Clint Eastwood, um, except maybe his wife and kids. Uh, he's a savant of Lear's limericks. Who knew? You know what Lear's limericks are, right? Yeah. You do. Well, the, what he would do to entertain the uh, extras uh, during lunch when he was eating with them is uh, he would do Lear's limericks, you know, and talk about, the, you know, Hey, what's it like doing this? And, you know, all those questions, but also, hey, do a Lear's Limerick. And he would do it. But what he would do is he was a savant. What he would do is he would ask for a topic. And he would give you a Lear's Limerick on that topic, whether he was making them up or he just had thousands one. of Lear's Limericks in his head. Wow. God only knows. But I never saw him stumped in three months. Of eating with the crew, with the crew and the and the extras, I never saw him stumped. He would just they would say, and then they would start coming to lunch mm-hmm. with questions about Lear. You know, they they'd go, "Oh, we're going to stump him." It became a thing. You know, hey, during lunch, let's let's ask him a, do a Lear's limerick about this. <laughs> and they go, "Hey, do a Lear's limerick about this." And he'd go, "There once was a guy from Saint Ives," and boom, and he was into it. <laughs> Whoa! I go, what the? F-? And so I would make sure I would have lunch with him every time because I would yeah. see him interact with that, and you know I would get to interact with him and stuff like that. How cool! And and then he would come in. Now I don't know whether he did this all the time or whether it was because he was a convict and trying to stay in character. But whenever he, I, and I saw him because all my scenes were with him. So right. I was, Whenever I was up, it was with Clint. He had two dumbbells, man. Each was, I think, 50 pounds. I mean, they were heavy. I, I It took a lot for me to pick one of, one of them up. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, two of them. He would bring them with him. And he'd say, you know, hey, Clint Eastwood, Clint, you're up. He would come. He never went. He hardly ever went into his dressing room. He'd either hang around with the crew the, the 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 extras, or what he would do is he would come out with the two dumbbells carrying them, and he'd put them down right next to the camera, and then he would say to the director, "Okay, uh, how much time do I have?" So you say, "Well, uh, we got to set up the light. So uh, why don't you rehearse with Larry, or you know, give us ten minutes, or give us five minutes, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever." And he'd say, "Okay." And since my lines with him are just one or two lines, that was all. He'd go, hey, Larry, come here. Okay. Yeah. He'd throw a line at me. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, thank you. Then he'd go over to his two dumbbells, which were by the camera. And until the director said, okay, we're up, Clint, let's go. He'd pick up the dumbbells. Until that happened, he'd, and he'd just work out right next to the camera. he just with the dumbbells, you know, up, huh. down, down. 
uh, and now I didn't, and I would just, and everybody kind of, you know, either do their job or stand around and watch Clint Eastwood lift dumbbells next to right. me until the director said, okay, let's, let's shoot it. And then he would put the dumbbells down. He'd go in, he'd do a scene, he'd come out and he'd either take them and leave them there. Mm-hmm. If, we, if the camera was going to stay there. Right. But moving on, they'd move the camera, he'd pick them up move them and put them down next to where they put the camera interesting yeah, yeah every wow. and every every star has their own little i don't know what you call it billy do a little tweak little thing superstition something they have to do yeah, yeah. Do before. <clears throat> uh one of the one of the other ones was um oh uh yeah they each had a, all of them did I, I don't remember their their names. Uh, uh, eight is enough. Who was the star of eight? Is oh, enough? Dick Van Patten. Okay, Dick Van Patten. He had his way. He wouldn't bother learning his lines. He would learn the lines in rehearsal for camera, which oh, is a drag, man. Because you got your lines down, and he's just learning them. Right. And everybody just stood around, you know, and waited for him to. You know, and sometimes he would just wait until we, we were on camera. Oh, my God. I'd do another take and another take until he learned his life. So I didn't know this. But see, you know, eight is enough. Uh, you know, you, you come in, mm-hmm. week, shoot one day, and you're out of there. But, you know, they had been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. So everybody on the set knew this about Dick Van Patten. So nobody thought it was, you know, this is the way we shoot this this sitcom. Is Dick Van Patten wow. on, 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 on camera. That you sounds know. like a huge pain in the ass. Was he thinking oh, that would keep oh him fresh? But, but, no, but everybody was tuned to it. Yeah. It, it was, you know, designed around it. So yeah. there was no, no, you know, everybody was fine. Everybody went about their business. They had other things to do. Wow. Yeah. The camera guys understood. But I didn't. I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I noticed I didn't mind it during rehearsals. I would just, you know, well, he's just thrown it away. He doesn't want to. Because a lot of actors don't want to blow their performance. So they don't want to perform it. So they just throw it away. You know, yeah. They'll give you the gist of it, part of it. But it's understood. I got the lines down. I, mm-hmm. I just don't want to do it for you. I don't want to throw it away. Yeah. So I, I did it. But then during the during the shoot... He, all of a sudden, he doesn't know shit from Chernobyl. <laughs> Here comes the cops. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking Okay, yeah. so, so I'm staying. I didn't know this. So what we're shooting is, okay, and take, you know, take one and action. Blah, blah, blah. And he, he's just going up. He's going, oh, so where should I go? Still, where should I stand? I don't, okay. And I go, what is this? He's a senile? What is going on? And we just do, I do take two. Uh, Okay. Well, okay. I did the wrong thing. Okay. All right. Let's do it again. Take three, take four, take five. Oh my God. But each time I I got, I started to clue in each time he did it a little better and a little better. And every, nobody was being blown away by this. Nobody was bothered by this. So I figured, okay, something's going on here. So I, I finally got it that because it was just me and him in that scene. Yeah. 
kind of a long scene. Of it's like a weird Meisner method where you're just saying the same things over and over to each other until it makes sense. And what did you call that? Uh, Meisner, the Meisner acting oh, method. Oh, is that where it? You just like oh, kind of keep well, that, saying the same see, thing now, to each Meisner other. Meisner taught me that. I never studied with him, but I, I hung around with a lot of actors who did the Meisner thing. Yeah. See, that, that makes perfect sense to me. Now that I, you know, I had gone through it with Dick Van Patten, and I now you tell me Meisner. Yeah, that sounds perfectly plausible. It worked. I saw it work. Yeah. And in the committee, we we didn't have any lines. So we'd say whatever came into our heads that was along the same thing. Right. Was going or what we said. So I understand that perfectly, and I can see where that would be a school of. Mm -hmm. So that, but it just bugged the hell out of me. But that's how. But that was minus Clint Eastwood was the 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 dumbbells. Mm -hmm. That was uh, uh, and what was there was another one, uh, another actor. Uh, and this is what he told me. Yeah, he was. Another black and white gardener, James Gardner. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so acting with him, here's what he did. So this is what he does. And see, again, what I'm talking about is stars who were in episodic episodes. Mm -hmm. The stars of the episode, of the, the, the TV sitcoms. So mm -hmm. everybody was used to everybody else. They've been doing this for at least a year or more. Yeah. So what... Everybody took for granted just would blow my mind. Why is everybody not getting shook up about this? Why is everybody accepting this on other sets? It would have caused, you know, craziness. Yeah. So here's uh, James Garner. Uh, we're, we're doing a scene, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, and in the middle of the scene, it was a take too, but Blah, 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 blah. And he just walked away. He just, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, just like that. Walked away, walked out of, the, uh, off the set, around, behind the camera. You know, just took a little jaunty, jolly, little mosey around. Came back, you know, no no problem. You know, just blah, 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 blah. Walk around. You know, and I'm noticed nobody, nobody. No call and cut. They just kept rolling. No, they no, they cut. You know. Oh, they did cut. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, cut. You know, and then everybody just did something else or waited. Mm -hmm. And he goes, "All right, let's do it again." Okay, fine. You okay, Larry? Yeah, fine. Okay, let's do it again. Okay, <laughs> boom. And then we did it again. And I go, "What was that all?" So I asked him. I said, what, what was that all about? Nobody said nothing. You just walked out of the scene. And anyway, if you do that, it's craziness. Yeah. He said, well, what, what, what were you doing? So he says, well, you know, I wasn't feeling right. And uh, I learned that if it's not feeling right, it won't look right. You know, I, I'm, I care. He says, so, but if you just continue with the scene and it doesn't feel right, you know, Time is money on, on in television. Mm -hmm. So they'll just say moving on and they'll use it. I don't care if they don't care if it feels if it yeah. doesn't like to. But but it says if it doesn't feel so I learned that early on that it doesn't feel right. I'd like to do it again. Sorry, we're moving on. Right. So I learned early on that 
you don't finish the seat. You just walk out. Just of blow the take, and they have to do it again. Blow yeah, it, blow it. Get out. Get off. Because uh, if you stay there, they'll use it. Whatever you're doing, they mm -hmm. don't give it. So you just walk around. So that's what I've been doing. So that. So, oh, I understood. Oh, so he does this all the time. Yeah. Cool. He said and it's a it's a good thing. You know that that's why you have some control of your act. Mm -hmm. I thought. Okay, I learned something. Hey, cool. The next show I did, I did that. You know, yeah. Blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> hey, Larry, what the fuck is going on, man? <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> Shit, man. Whoa, Amy, what, what? What did you do? It's in the middle of a take. Well, I, I didn't feel right. You didn't fucking feel right. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't feel right? You know, what is that? Uh, Let's do this again. That would... Wow, man. I was, they, they just loaded <laughs> everybody. The cinematographer, the director, the writer, the producers. Mm. What the fuck was that all about? You don't walk out of the <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, you got to be the star of the show to be able to get away with that shit. So. <laughs> yeah, and, they, and they have to get used to it yeah now in in one of the one of the shows and then i gotta go okay but okay I, okay yeah uh, one of the shows, uh and this was uh with uh john candy and uh armed and dangerous yeah yeah so john candy stuck up for me a lot of times the star the star or the writer will stick up for me because i just say what i say because mm -hmm. i you know, I never wanted to be an actor and I fire myself. So you can see where my head is at. Don't fuck with me. Right. You know, fire me. That's fine. There are other jobs I don't give, a, you know. Okay. Yeah. So um, it was, uh, okay, so what was the, uh, the thing? It was John Candy. Yeah, the John Candy. Thing. So I'm in dangerous. So the, the, the here's one of the things where they thought they had hired a, a Hell's Angel. It was a James somebody, somebody James, I don't know. His brother is an actor. Uh, so he's directing, and I was uh, Kowalski. Ko Ko Kowalski or Kowalski. Mm -hmm. And I played it, and it was written that way. Uh, band, headband on my head, red hand, that I was on drugs, <clears throat> acid. It was written that way. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm on acid. So again, I was cast. And then I was given to the director. So I show up and he thinks I'm on acid. Now, I don't know this. I didn't know about the Hell's Angel. <laughs> so he thinks I'm a. So he's telling me, he's talking loud to me and he's talking twice to me. Um, okay. Two things you don't want to do to somebody on acid. <laughs> what? Two yeah. things you don't want to do to somebody oh. on acid. <laughs> well, yeah. So he he's he, he no, I didn't know this. So so he's he's saying, uh, okay, Larry, uh just stay where you are. Okay. Larry, stay where you are. He's only saying things loud and twice. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe he's hard of hearing or he's <clears throat> I don't know. But I'm laying it on him. There's something wrong with him. I don't bring it up. You know, okay, okay. And, uh, but I also was fascinated with 
what was going on. I was also learning. There was a lot. See, that's my first thing. You know, once I got my lines down, or I feel comfortable as an actor. Mm-hmm. Then I go, I go into a whole other mode, like an artist. Or yeah. I, I, I want to know what's going on. And he, I didn't know this, but he was watching me, watching around. Because later he had complained about, well, all he did was he just was like on acid. He was just looking at everything, you know. So he had mentioned that to somebody and explained it to me, as mm-hmm. to why he thought I was on acid. So he And he never talked to anybody, which I wasn't. You know, I was grokking things, and I thought, well, John Candy and his partner and it, this just I'm surrounded by funny. It's a funny script. Yeah, want to be funny. I just want to. It was like what I was doing later on, uh, or on 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 Escape from Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. It was a learning tour for me. Yeah. So he, he thought, and he would talk loud and stuff like that. And then he admitted this late later on. But while he was doing it, it freaked me out because he would say, you know, no, don't move, don't move, Larry, don't move. You know, or or stand here. Don't don't move away. He would, you know, talk to me like I was a child. Yeah, basically. yeah. And it was getting me angry and angry, and I didn't want to say anything because nobody else was talking to him like there was something wrong with him. I, so I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out what was going on. And then finally, he admitted to me it was Jerry Paris again. Was it Jerry Paris? No, it must have been another. Yeah, it was, it was, it was James. It was James. But yeah, see, uh, and I didn't realize that until now. Here's how I found. Uh, here's how I found out of it. At the screening of the movie for the cast and crew, the cast and crew screening, he pulls me to the side as I'm going in. He's standing there. The director, James. He says, "Larry, come here. I want to talk to you." I go, "Oh yeah, what?" He says, I got to explain to you what you're going to see. Okay. He says, uh, it's your, your shots that I was shooting. Yeah. I was saying, I was thinking, he's going to say, you're cut out of the movie. That's right. It. Yeah. <laughs> I think, what is it? He says, if you'll notice, there's no cutaways to you. Yeah. Um, that's because I didn't shoot them. Why not? Well, see, um, I thought you were on acid because I was watching you. And since you were on acid, I thought, well, I'm not going to be using much of his stuff. He's on acid. So I'm not going to, I'm going to cut around him. I'm not going to shoot any of his answer close-ups. That's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. There's no answer close-up because I thought you were on acid and I'll just use the master for the other guy's line. I said, why? Well, because I thought you were on acid. I said, oh, okay, thanks. So you didn't shoot that stuff. Okay, fine. He said, no, no, there's more. Now what? He says, "Um, the producers, I cut you out of the movie, but the producers nearly cut off my head because they said, what are you doing? He's funnier than anybody else in the movie, pretty much. And you cut him out? What are you doing? I want you. And they said to me that I I had to find all the footage on me and put it back in no matter what, even if there wasn't an answer cut. Yeah. 
whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We don't care about that's you're doing the right thing by not giving him the close up. So right. it's a close up. So you're keeping it in the master. We understand that. We don't care. If there's a shot of Larry somewhere in that scene, you put it in. Okay. So he said, when you go in to see the movie, all your shots don't, a lot of them don't make sense because there was no answer to it. You know, if, if I right. did a close up on you because I had to, there was no, I didn't have the, the line, but there's no other way to, I'd, yeah. So I said, oh, fine. So I went and I watched it. So it was a kind of a funny movie, but I, I see what he was talking about. And and it's just ridiculous. I mean, if you know now what, what I just told you. Right, it's right. It's the movie and you're watching my part. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> because there's no, for A, there's no reason to cut to me. Maybe I'm just looking. Right. There. Or maybe somebody's talking to me, but you don't know what, what I'm, if I'm even listening to it. Yeah. They just you know, talk and talk and then, then they cut away to somebody else. You know, where, where's the answer there? So that's uh, what 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 that was about. Yeah. You know? So, you know, me listening to this interview and what we talked about, it, it seems as if that's really you get a, a the gist of why I wrote the book, because my life in movies for the book uh, is not the ordinary life. And it isn't even the life that you think is ordinary. It may be the ordinary life. You, you see what I'm saying? I do. All, it's I do. all screw ups and close ups, and I didn't mean that. And what are you doing? <laughs> and get in there. And it's all that. And what you see is very neatly it put together in a nice story. And I don't see that. I'm right. auditioning. I'm acting. I'm trying to figure out what the director is saying. I'm trying to remember my lines, you know? So that's what I see. And I, that's what I wanted to show everybody is yeah. what we just talked about is it's not what you see at all. Right. <laughs> shot in sequence. Right. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do the ending first and then remember that, oh man, I got to say this or it's not going to make sense. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's hard, man. Yeah, yeah. That's acting. Well, what did I say in the first scene? Oh, no, what did I say in the last? In the last scene. <laughs> what did I say in the last scene? Because I've gotta, I got to do what I said I did. Right. Does anybody know? All right, well, we'll check in the rushes. You know, that's somebody check. <laughs> yeah, that's why I wrote the book. Well, the book is That Guy, A Cautionary Memoir. I uh, can't recommend it enough great read i'll put a link to it in the bio on this uh anything else you want to promo well uh no patreon go to amazon.com that's where you can buy the book okay and also i hope uh, we're getting a, a patreon i'm gonna have my own channel on patreon oh okay so great patreon slash larry hankin okay I mean, no, it's patreon.com mm -hmm. slash larry hankin one word Okay, I'll get a I'll get a link to that up as well when I post this. Hope me, hope hopefully there's a link to the Amazon. Okay, okay. thanks, Larry. Bye bye. bye, -bye.
I hope you liked Larry Hankin as much as I did, because I'm definitely going to have him back as a guest. Jeez, uh, what a great time that was. Uh, next time I get him, I swear, we'll talk about his career a little bit more. Uh, hey, thanks for listening, you guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, more and more of you are starting to uh, show up and download these podcasts. Please feel free to spread the word about us. Uh, we're, a, we're a tiny little operation, but we'd love to know that we're being listened to. By we, I mean me. And uh, get out in the world. Do some things. Enjoy yourself. Whenever you go to a bar or restaurant, though, be sure to tip your servers well. Because at the Walter Paisley Movie House, we do not piss on hospitality. See you next time.